This is the Erasing Shame Podcast, July 2022 edition, where we have Honest Talk for Healthy Living. My name is DJ Chuang, the co-host of this podcast that's been running since 2018. We've taken some months uh, to take a break in 2022, but I'm thrilled to re-engage with you, our audience, as well as my uh, distant friend in San Gabriel Valley, Emily Wu Trung. Thank you for making time to connect and share with us your journey through mental health and being well. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Emily, we're going to take a few minutes just to get your background about uh, how you've had what's called lived experience through your own mental health challenges. And as you've come to a place of health, you became a very active mental health advocate over the course of the past um, nine years or so. So mm-hmm. take a few minutes to share about how you went through all that. And then we'll link to the show notes, link in the show notes to several of the interviews and times where you've really taken the time to unpack. But I wanted to at least get a few minutes of how you got to become an advocate. Sure. Well, you know, when, um, so my background is uh, Taiwanese American. I was born in El Dorado, Arkansas, um, and was living there for maybe about seven years until 1988. Uh, We were one of three Asian families in our town of El Dorado, and um, uh, everyone else was black and white. And the nice thing about living there was that my classmates were all colorblind. Mm. And so they never treated me any different, which was really nice. And then it wasn't until um, after 1888, our family moved to the San Gabriel Valley, and, um, you know, San Gabriel Valley is known for having so many Asians. And like, mm-hmm. as a kid, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I have to compete with all of them. <laughs> like, you know, and, and getting acculturated, like, it was a culture shock for me. And, and realizing that all these Asian parents are comparing all their kids to other people's kids. And mm. it just, it didn't help that the smartest kid in our grade, in my grade, had the same exact last name as me and oh my. You know, graduated a year early and went to Harvard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm like, all right, I, I definitely can't compete with that. Like, I'm the youngest in my family. Um, my brother was the straight A kid. My sister was a straight A kid until high school. I never got straight A's until I took some easier classes in my senior year of high school. But, you know, it just wasn't something that I felt like you know, my parents could be proud of, like, I just never felt like they were proud of me because I didn't get those straight A's. And, and um, I started feeling it since like third grade and like bringing home a report card with not like all pluses and, you know, and I just never felt good enough. Mm. And I didn't know how to like I wanted an emotional connection with my family members but I didn't have the skills to communicate how I felt mm-hmm. um I used to do a lot of letter writing mm. um but to 
and journaling to express how I felt and, and things that would go on in my life. But like when I started writing letters to other people, my mom didn't like that. She was like, who are you <laughs> writing to? I'm like, oh, my friend. Like, what are you writing about? Like, oh. And then she, I remember an incident where like it was a, um, she was trying to grab my letter and I didn't want her to see it. And so it was actually like, it got kind of physical. And um, this is me in elementary school and um, the paper ended up ripping. Mm. And, and I think that was one of my earlier moments in my life when my mom would say, you know, don't share your problems with other people or else mm. you bring shame to yourself and the family. And I mean, I, but I couldn't hold it in. Mm -hmm. I still wrote those letters. I would mm -hmm. still send them because that was the only way to, to make my voice feel heard mm -hmm. and feel like I have friends outside of my family. So anyways, um, that's amazing that you have such vivid memories at such a young age. And that's the thing about shame. It, it affects us at a very young age. And then it leaves such a long shadow that affects us until we have opportunity to work through it. So um, how, how did that affect you? You realized you were a normal kid, not one of the high achieving people. And then the pressure that comes from parents comparing and kids comparing how did that affect you and how were you able to find peace peace with just being who you are well it mm -hmm. definitely was a journey um mm -hmm. i mean i think that uh it that i definitely grew up with low self-esteem um mm -hmm. feeling not good enough because of the not high grades and not um like I didn't even try to apply for UCLA because I thought oh, I'm not going to get in anyways like why should I even bother why should I bother apply for Berkeley I'm not going to get in and so um I mean I did go to UC Irvine so I studied psychology and social behavior um I did consider being an art major an English major a philosophy major <laughs> Mm -hmm. um yeah but I ended up doing psychology and social behavior with a minor in education and one thing I did like about minoring in education was that they tell you they talk to you, uh, they teach you about multiple intelligences mm -hmm. there's different kinds of intelligences like it took my mom a while to, to finally tell me this but she said Emily you may not have the highest grades, but you have EQ. You have mm. high EQ. You are able to socialize well with people. You have that gift. And for me, I guess I didn't really know what that meant. And um, but I'm like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> like, and but I felt still felt that the academic grades were so much more important in the Asian culture than what I have EQ. Um, and 
I, you know, I just had like, there's so many variables in my life that have affected my, my low self-esteem, like, even navigating the friendship world, you know, like um, being bullied in junior high, um, mm. being kicked out of a girl group who said, oh, you talk about boys too much and you, you are too huggy, you are, you're too mm. affectionate. Like Asian culture is not very affectionate. Like, <laughs> and, and like, you know, if you go to Japan, like hugging is not normal. Um, <laughs> and, but for some reason, it just became so innate in me to be a hugger growing up. <laughs> and when people didn't like my hugs, like actually my sister's not even a hugger. So she <laughs> has to like state when like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, so, <laughs> so, um, so I guess that's where I, you know, consent kind of plays in sometimes too and yes but yes. sometimes it's part of culture like if you go to uh, south america like or france you know if you meet your friends it's normal for you to hug someone you know like you know do the the, the cheek um kissing thing and and so um, I've even studied abroad in Chile in South America after college. I used my high school Spanish after college and it was these different experiences in my life where the, there was a theme that would play in front of me multiple times. The only way out is through. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you have to face your fears. You have to face your challenges in order for you to have the most emotional growth or just growth in general as an individual. And so I, I, I was like daring myself to do certain things after um, in my post-college years, um, things I never imagined I would do before. Um, I've, uh, I've auditioned for American Idol when I was mm. like hor horrible at auditioning or interviews in general. And, but I mean, like, I can say at least I've done it. And, um, I, uh, I did a beauty pageant, you know, mm. and, uh, like, cause I was forcing myself to, you know, pres present myself. I mean, I just wanted the experience of like putting myself out there, like, because I remember in high school, um, I, I was just so, I was so shy. Like I didn't like mm. being on stage. I'm not mm -hmm. that kind of person. And, mm -hmm. but, you know, like, even though I seem like a very, you know, my, I talk to my high school friends sometimes and they tell me like, Emily, you were such a bubbly person. Like ever since I've known you, like you always seem so perky and like happy and you know likable but I couldn't tell that you were a person who suffered depression and anxiety you know I didn't know there were things going on with you and but I mean like ever since junior high I was always the existential like I always like was I was very 
I was like thinking about philosophy, like, you know, mm -hmm, what is mm -hmm. the meaning of life? Like, why mm -hmm. am I even here? And I felt like an alien because I'm like, none mm -hmm. of my peers can talk about this stuff. All they want to talk about is gossip and what's going on with like celebrities. And I'm like, I can't relate with this. And it made mm -hmm. me, it made, because I was so deep in thought, like I, I was, it was really hard to find friends, like friends mm -hmm. I could really connect with that, that could talk about these things with me, but it, so it was a struggle and, um, but I mean, I'm really glad that I have this one friend, Enoch, like he's mm -hmm. been my friend since junior high. He was like a really great listener and I don't think I would have been able to survive, um, you know, life without him. And, um, and we're still friends to this day. That's great. And, yeah. So, I mean, having friends, um, having friends like him have really helped me through my growth. And I think that the way I was able to eventually come to mental health advocacy was through experiencing different jobs where I felt like I was, you know, I thought I was doing a really good job. Like I worked for a group um, in the Taiwanese American community. Okay. And I was in, my job was to invite politicians and elected officials mm -hmm. to our um, ceremony to mm -hmm. provide like a certificate, like, oh, Taiwanese American Heritage Month, you know? And so I, you know, there were some parts, I wore many different hats. I, I was, contacting the elected officials offices and then I would um, uh, I wasn't the MC kind of person um, who was that outspoken to like talking Taiwanese Mandarin or English like to 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 start a show um, so um, I was in charge of uh, speaking with the MCs because the MCs were in charge of like you know knowing who, which elected officials were coming to mm -hmm. the stage, right? Mm -hmm. So I also had to work with them and um, also even be the English person when we had special uh, person uh, groups uh, doing performances for this event um, who were English speaking, but then the, the, like the Taiwanese organization was like, you know, their English is not so good. So I was kind of the, middle person to to liaison so um and uh so and um anyways so in all in that experience i know i did a really good job like i had <laughs> done that job like two years in a row and and i didn't need that much supervision because i already know what the job entailed and and what it required and so I didn't really have a direct supervisor. Um, I did, but like they didn't have to like check on me every day. And anyways, I just felt like they didn't appreciate my work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I even tried asking like if I needed a recommendation letter, would you, would you provide it to me? Mm -hmm. And they said nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it, it, like their reaction in front of me actually was, 
they and this guy like the supervisor was drunk at the time it was like the uh appreciation dinner and after the dinner was over like he had already drank so much and he he said um he was applauding the MCs over applauding my work mm-hmm. he was like oh you two you two are like Jay Chow together like because you know Jay Chow is like super famous in Taiwan and it's like so he's applauding them but he says nothing he doesn't even validate mm-hmm. my work like mm-hmm. I have to give that information to the MCs for them to do well on stage like mm-hmm. I was part of that too so I actually, I actually had a breakdown, like, mm. like I was literally crying in front of them mm. and, and they still said nothing, but I was very angry with them afterwards. I was very angry with the supervisor. And I was after that experience, I'm like, I'm not working for this group, this group anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they did not validate me when I know I did a very good job. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not have been like a, it was a part-time job, temporary, seasonal, you know, but it, it made me realize that how much I relied on external validation mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And I never knew how to build up my inner self-validation. Mm-hmm. I, I came to a point in my life where I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need to change something inside me in order to help me grow myself from within. Mm-hmm. Because to only rely on external validation it is only going to kill me inside. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I decided I, I was I needed to remove myself from that environment mm-hmm. and to find a different place where I could grow. I could, um, help me help myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so now, as part of your message uh, as a motivational speaker and mental health advocate, then it's uh, sharing people, sharing with people your experience in building up your inner confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, you've been doing that for a number of years now. Uh, what, how has, what has been a, two or three keys that's helped you that you've shared with others that's helped them in building that inner confidence and resilience? Mm. Um, I would say uh, breaking away from the need to compare. Mm. That is so important because your real competition is with yourself. (laughs) Once you say to everyone that I think that we're all in this life trying to help us help ourselves to improve and I want everyone to succeed. (laughs) Everyone will succeed in their own way. But when you direct your attention to yourself, to your own growth, like, and only work on you, mm-hmm. then you have no need to look at what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of the times I feel like 
people have been jealous of me growing up. Mm. And, but that was because like, like I used to think that, oh, why, why can't I have normal girlfriends? Like, and I used to make that mean something about me, but actually mm. it was about them. They didn't like me because they were jealous of me. And they don't know how to say that to you, to your face, because they're envious of you. But if they're envious of you, it's not about you, it's about them. And they're just intimidated by you. So I, I think with, with, when it comes to competition, with competing with others and comparing yourself to others like it's it's just so harmful to do that for your mental health for <laughs> because it only you know everybody has a different journey in life <laughs> you have your own value system you have your own mm, you have your own definition of success <laughs> just because you know, I feel like in this capitalistic, materialistic world that we live in, mm-hmm. we, you know, people like to keep up with the Joneses, like, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like, no, like, you don't need to constantly compare. Just look at you. Have you improved since before? You know, mm-hmm. look at yourself step by step, like in your life. Are you in a different place than where you were before? And if so, good. Pat yourself on the back for that. And, you know, so I'd say that, you know, instead of comparing, only look at yourself. Only Mm -hmm. look at your own journey and see that, you know, your life success can be different from others. It doesn't have to, just because you're not on the same road as uh, as the one that your parents want to lay out before you does not mean that you're not a success, you know, like, yeah, my, my brother's a doctor. My mom, my sister is a mom, you know, she has two mm-hmm. kids and she's raising them well, you know, and, uh, for me, I, just, I have a different lifestyle. Like I'm, uh, I wear many different hats and, um, I'm taking care of my mom as a caregiver and um, uh, freelance, um, you know, motivational speaker. And, you know, like I have so many dreams. Like um, I, the, I love the music from The Greatest Showman, um, mm-hmm. like Million Dreams and This Is Me. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I'd say a second point is like don't be ashamed of yourself don't be ashamed of who you are just because you are not who other people want you to be be yourself and don't be ashamed of it like listen to the music of this is me the lyrics it is so powerful and um because I lived in shame for so long Mm -hmm. to the point where I thought, you know, like if, if I, 
like what's the use I I had suicidal ideation and I'm like mm -hmm. if I'm never gonna be what my parents want me to be why should I even bother mm -hmm. I feel so broken inside who would mm -hmm. even love me mm -hmm. I mean but when you remain who you are and you just stay true to yourself John Lennon said being honest may not get you many friends but at least you'll get the right ones mm -hmm. so be true to yourself and the right friends okay. will come your way that's beautiful <laughs> yeah well thank you for opening up and sharing that poignant moment with us yeah sure what and What, what you say is so true, but it can take a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. And it probably took people alongside of you to help you get to that point and that insight mm -hmm. that helped to free you up. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Enoch was a good friend that helped. Yes. I love him. Are there, are there some other things that were helpful to you yes. in becoming? Yes. My can husband. you share some? <laughs> yeah my husband like yes. he growing up with him like he's also yeah. been a good listener as well and um you know when I first met him he I told him about like oh I only work in a full-time I, I I don't have a full-time job I only have a part-time mm -hmm. and he was like mm -hmm. you know your job doesn't define you mm -hmm. okay. and like that was one of the most important lessons that I learned from him yes because I made I made jobs to find me and because mm. I thought post-college like my mom was always on my back like mm. what are you doing with your life like or are you going back to school for your graduate school degree are you getting your master's you know like look at your cousin she's going to like get her MBA like oh like she's working for this like like Google you know and it's just like okay well mom continues to compare and that didn't mm. help but you know like my husband while we were dating he kept on you know he he was there with me even when I like got fired from a job and mm. you know helping me to like cope through that time and and it was tough because like the firing was also due to some like misunderstandings between me and my mm -hmm. supervisor and mm -hmm. like I didn't really get my chance to have my say and and but you know it, it is what it is and um my husband also like was there for me when after so after I became an advocate and I was mm -hmm. like I was determined to like start spreading awareness and mm -hmm. um, I got interviewed by a Chinese newspaper and they mm -hmm. interviewed me in English but they mm -hmm. wrote the article published the article the next day in Chinese and like mm -hmm. my Chinese reading skills are terrible but like if you translate the title from Chinese to English it was victim of perfectionist parents speaks out mm. <laughs> so I laugh about it now like I can mm -hmm. chuckle but like back then it was like like my yeah. parents were that my parents reaction they're like my mom's like how could you do this to me are you really mm. my daughter do I have mm -hmm. to disown you 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so my, like, I couldn't even join Thanksgiving meal with the family because of this drama. Mm-hmm. And so we had a belated Thanksgiving meal. It was me, my husband, and my parents. And so mm-hmm. my parents were like, um, my, so my husband, he told my parents, you know, she's not trying to make you look bad. She's just trying to say that she's one of many kids of immigrant families who have struggled in silence all these years. And she's trying to say that, you know, she's that she's trying to tell others that you're not alone, that they're not mm-hmm. alone. Yes. And so she's so for my husband to communicate that to my parents was really helpful because all I could do during that dinner was like cry my eyes out, like thinking like, oh, like I'm Mulan and my parents will never understand me, you know? And my, but that meal was actually very helpful because for the first time my mom showed humility and she said, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, we're not perfect parents. And I needed to hear that in order to, for our relationship to heal, you know, for, from long time misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. Um, my husband has definitely been a great support to me. And um, I mean, without his, you know, his even financial support, like, I, I wouldn't be able to work on the dreams that I want to work on. Like, and, you know, in 2010, I, I, it was my, I was on the road towards, like, I told people, I planned on being a motivational speaker, Mm -hmm. mental health awareness, and, you know, a lot, I I faced a lot of naysayers before, Mm -hmm. Like, how are you going to do that? And, mm. you know, some skeptical people would say like, oh, all right, then motivate me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. Like, <laughs> you're not my audience, you know? <laughs> so, well, mm-hmm. in, in the, in the uh, few minutes we have left, so mm-hmm. uh, you've been a very accomplished uh, motivational speaker. You've been a mental health advocate, especially in the Los Angeles County and San Gabriel Valley, quite a number of seminars and events. Uh, You lived a very active lifestyle. And then over the past uh, four or five years, you've kind of changed gears a little bit. And then the global pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And we're no longer able to gather together and have live events. And um, you were as active on social media for a while. And I hope you took some time to self-care uh, for mm-hmm. yourself. And you do look more energetic than I've seen in some other places. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And you say you still have big dreams. So what are you dreaming about in the next season of your life? Mm, you know, well, well, you know, that, that break was very important um, for recuperation because I did you know, struggle with uh, burnout and feelings of jadedness. And after, yeah, jadedness from working with 
bureaucracies. <laughs> but, you know, um, I spend a lot of time with uh, fostering cats and um, <laughs> pouring my love into them. And but now, you know, because of uh, the recent um, school shootings and mm -hmm. like, like people are still dying and, you know, people are still dying by suicide. And it's <laughs> just it, you know, even though Subtle Asian Mental Health, the Asian Mental Health Collective are making efforts on a larger scale to try to address the situations like there's still more work that needs to be done. And so this is where I felt like, okay, I'm coming back into the game and I'm going to, you know, continue sharing my story because sometimes I feel like some mental health awareness campaign campaigns are very surface level. And, um, but the way that I do my presentations, I feel like I, I shake people up. I, I hit them to the core and I, I feel like there's just so much education that needs to be provided to the communities. Um, so like in the next several months, I have several speaking engagements lined up uh, with the Taiwanese Women's Association um, mm -hmm. and my workshop, if it's going to be a workshop in October, on October 1st in Rosemead, um, mm -hmm. it'll be called Happier, Healthier, Healthier Communication for Happier Families. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, I'm going to have some of the people who come to do some role playing so mm -hmm. that they can understand how tone of voice and the way you speak that tone of voice and the words you choose make a difference in how you communicate to your loved ones. <laughs> so that is very practical um, information that is very important for individuals who want to have good relations with other people, with your friends, <laughs> with your family, with your coworkers, you know, and what are the best practices, you know? So, and I feel like families don't always know this because mm -hmm. um, in my very first speaking engagement in 2010, I was telling family, families, parents, like you, you have a profound effect on the way you help shape your child's view of the world. <laughs> You know, and so like, because I thought I literally thought that I had to be a perfectionist in order to survive this world, you know, but later I had to find out, no, that's not true. Totally mm -hmm. not true. <laughs> you know, so, but now with this workshop, you know, I, I hope that I can help educate um, parents to um, shape the way that I, they speak to their kids and their loved ones with anyone they love and, um, and then uh, I'll be part of uh, next April, I'll be part of the a mental health panel for the Taiwanese Women's um, Nas North, uh, National, is it North? North, I don't know, like NATWA, N-A-T-W-A. They have a conference coming up in April of next year. And I'll be on the panel with Michifu, Dr. Michifu. She's also Taiwanese American. I used to invite her to all my um, conferences conferences speaking engagements um that i um, organized before and you came to my conference before too at the california endowment yeah so, yes that's right which, yeah so Fantastic. she was 
she was there. And, um, and also this uh, September, my San Marino um, Unified School District, they're inviting me to speak and share my story as a suicide attempt survivor mm-hmm. or suicide prevention awareness month in September mm-hmm. to the parents, to the, to the high school students and to the junior high students. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, yeah, so I'm really excited about the future. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for getting back in the game and continuing to share your stories and learnings and how people can live a fulfilling life um, by being themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, how can people stay connected with you so that they can follow along and perhaps attend one of your live events? Yeah, sure. Um, my Facebook page is probably my go-to place right now as I'm still mm-hmm. working on my website. So um, it is uh, facebook.com slash Emily W Speaks. So okay. Yeah, so uh, we'll add a link in the show notes so people can click right through and give you a follow and a like and add a comment to encourage you and thank you for sharing your story, your background, your experience showing up here uh, with our Erasing Shame audience, uh, viewers and listeners. Really appreciate you, Emily. Best of luck in your new season. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Okay. And a closing word for our viewers and listeners, click subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're all there. And you can find all the links here at erasingshame.com. Click on the show notes and hear more about Emily's background and story and how she might help your organization, your uh, event with mental health and wellness. So until next time, uh, thank you for being a part of Erasing Shame. Bye-bye.